everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL. Tonight, we are going to celebrate a win over the Rochester Rhinos. I I called it last week. I might not have had the score correct, uh, but here we are. Uh, I was optimistic, and it worked out for once. Uh, then we're going to talk to the man of the hour right now, which is Stefano Bonomo, our first repeat offender, uh, as it were. And uh, we're going to finish things up previewing a game against Charleston Battery and talking a little bit about the USL expansion this week. Uh, big, big week for the Red Bulls. And joining me, of course, as always, NYC Soccer World's own Anthony Merced. Hello, Anthony. I thought you were going to talk about me when you were talking about the repeat offender. (laughs) I don't think... Well, the thing is, um, there's not really any laws against trolling for the most part, so I think you're okay. Not yet, anyway. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) So how are you doing this week, Anthony? I'm doing great. This Rochester game, I mean, none of us could have predicted it going this way, so I was so happy. This is... if, If you're in Red Bull land... This was the game you should watch this week, and don't watch the other one. Well, look, both of these games were entertaining. Despite the uh, result for the senior team, that was still a very entertaining match. Uh, frustrating, I'm sure, uh, at the end for most people. Uh, but the, the, the game that New York Red Bulls 2 played against Rochester Rhinos, uh, with a number of caveats, including not having some of their best players on the field, uh, was terrific. I thought that Rochester never really looked dangerous in the match. They had uh, their one goal came from a penalty that was kind of a soft penalty, but uh, you put your hands on a defender in the or on a uh, a forward in the box, and he goes down. You you put the ref in a bad position to make that call. So it, it was what it was. Uh, but otherwise, this was a dominant performance, and it's unlike one that we've ever seen them. Uh, put up against Rochester uh, for all of the games that they played them in the regular season, even the playoff game. That was a very back and forth effort uh, from those teams. This was an actual complete and dominating win, even with just a two, one scoreline. I don't think that really does any justice to to how this game played out. Well, it's a continuation of uh, what we talked about a bit last week, which was, this is not the same Rochester that we remember from 2015 or even 2014. If you were watching the USL back then when they were so defensively sound, they've transitioned a bit to attempt to be a bit more of a team that moves forward as opposed to one that parks the bus from minute one and, um, and grabs a goal on the counter. They, they're very different and they're trying to rediscover themselves. And in this game in particular, it didn't work. Red Bull two worked against them completely. Um, held possession, moved the ball around, and they allowed a lot of space in the midfield, but there's something very unusual for the Rochester Rhinos to do in a, in a game. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, when you start talking about that, uh, one of the guys who deserves a tremendous amount of credit, or two of the guys, uh, were Andrew Tenari, who has continued to be a little pesky beast. I referred to him as a bulldog <laughs> after the game, uh, which he seemed to be amused by. Um, and Aaron uh, Arun Basulovic, who played in his native position for the first time this season, and uh, without exaggeration, tore it up. He was so active, 
Um, obviously, he got uh, involved in a bit of a mess later on, uh, but he was really just making the offense click. I think there were times where maybe he didn't make decisions uh, quick enough, uh, but it was really nice to see him look so much more comfortable out there. I think, you know, I've talked about it in the past that the, the box-to-box role doesn't really suit him, and I'd like to see him further up the field. Well, here's a, a clear example as to why. Now, I understand that when you've got Vincent Bezicourt healthy, it, it's hard to, to justify uh, putting Bezicourt anywhere else but that that top position. But, wow, did uh, Basilovic really uh, pass that test with flying colors? He did, and, and Bonomo did a great job of being a striker um, mm-hmm. at times holding, holding up the ball and at times um, stepping up and pressing, which is something we haven't seen either Red Bull team do to its best ability this year, but uh, be able to force turnovers. And he was able to do that in this game while also providing uh, some, some room for other players. I think specifically about Noah powders um, shot that rang off the goalpost mm-hmm. in this, that nearly doubled the lead. Uh, that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen if a striker isn't playing really well and taking the, the attention of the defense. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, uh, Bonomo occupied both center backs through a lot of the game. And he, I don't think he was, you know, terrifically active in terms of on the ball presence, but his movement and and um, uh, combination play with the midfielders around him uh, made him very dangerous. Obviously, he takes the first shot that's uh, saved and then put in by uh, Basulovic to, to open the match. And that was a fifth-minute goal. We haven't seen them score that early <laughs> too often this year. And that really set the tone for the entire match. Um I I talked to uh, our buddy Arjun at halftime, and I asked him what he thought the the final score would be. Now he expected a three nothing win, and I think he was well within his rights <laughs> to assume that they would continue to steamroll uh, the game as they had. Uh, and he got the number of goals right. It was just you know not for the right teams. But I asked him specifically, you know, who's going to score the next goal for the Red Bulls, and what was his answer? Bonomo. Bonomo. Arjun uh, is again prophetic. As always, and of course, Bonomo scores the goal. Uh, look, it was a defensive mistake. He did everything he needed to. He finished the shot really well. It was just a very nice performance from him. Uh, and then we've got that backline pairing again of Nadam and Scarlett that is smothering teams. It's very difficult for them to sort of work through the center uh, or you know cross the ball in to try to find opportunities with the two of them back there. Uh, so I, I was really pleased with, with the entire defensive performance from the team and uh, their transition game uh, in the match, which this year has been you know a bit of a struggle. Yeah, and it's um, a big confidence boost as well because this is a team that was above them in the standings. Um, they've had a few losses to teams that were well below them to this point. Momentum has been a thing that both this team and uh, the MLS side has had a hard time getting this year. Consistency as well in results. So this was one that hopefully can turn a corner for this two team uh, for the rest of the season and solidify a playoff spot, which right now seems very difficult to do, mainly because they've already played so many more games than a lot of the teams below them. Mm -hmm. But... 
you know, they're they're going to have to win out in a lot of ways. Maybe, maybe not win out entirely. That's ridiculous. But um, they're, they're going to have to win a good majority of these games. So it's, it's a kind of win against a rival, probably one of the most natural rivals we've seen um, from uh, a, a Northeast USL team in quite some time. So, yeah, this, this is... This is great. I love this game. I'll tell you what. <laughs> the, even with the teams below them, you know, some of them having games in hand, if you look at the last five games for all the teams in striking positions, so that's Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Ottawa, and Orlando, they have a total of one win in between them in their last five matches. So uh, results are kind of going their way. Uh, some of the teams that they're playing above them uh, have faltered a little bit, uh, which is good. Rochester, you know, with this victory and you know why it should affirm maybe the work that they're putting in and and uh the progress that they're making as a team rochester hasn't lost since july 1st uh yeah. they've been absolutely lights out in terms of of not giving up anything at, you know the bob lily way uh, coming away with a lot of draws and you know winning games where they can this was a hugely we important game. we did not spend enough time Talking about Bob Lilly looking like an amazing college football coach. <laughs> there was a lot of yelling. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, he was amazing in this game. There was a lot of yelling around the red card incident. I want to talk about that very briefly uh, from both oh sides. Bob and John really kind of lost their minds. I've watched the replay of the situation. I'm not sure exactly why Aaron picked up a card maybe just for the push um but maybe he said the magic word that's that's possible as well he, he seemed to be on the receiving end of of not i wouldn't call it a, a brutal attack or anything but you know uh, arms were flailing uh there was a lot of posturing after that um but I'm not sure either either guy really earned a red card in that situation. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, it was given, I guess, for, for swinging the arm, even if you don't make contact, you're going to get a red card. Um, but uh, here we are. <laughs> uh, so John was obviously very angry about that. Uh, he relayed, related after the game that uh, he felt that being the recipient of a uh, attempted uh, hit to the throat should not be <laughs> red card worthy. <laughs> uh, maybe there's a tiny bit of bias there. Cause like I said, he did push and posture a little bit, uh, but Canardo Forbes seemed to be the aggressor in the situation. And it was a little unfortunate um, on the positive side. At least both of them were shown a red card and it wasn't a situation where uh, Basulovich was goaded into something, uh, but it was just kind of wacky all around. And I mean, I've seen John get, very vocal during matches. That was the loudest I've ever heard him. I could he clearly hear every word he said to the ref from where I was sitting in the stands. Yeah, he he was very animated in it. I get why he was as well. This is, um, you know, not that long after um, Rochester pulled one goal back. You're talking about 12 minutes before this. So this is kind of a turning point moment, and you really want to try your best to influence a referee, make sure a call goes your way a little bit. Um and Bob Lilly in the same time. This is the perfect storm of amazing referee yelling. Yeah. <laughs> this was it. This was great. Like, every, like, both sides had a reason to, like, plead their case. And they did to an amazing extent. So, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's, let's wrap this up. Let's talk about man of the match. Who would you give it to? 
Oh, man, I feel like it's way too obvious. I'm going Stefano Bonomo. Yeah, there's no other uh, person that we could really throw in that list. And hey, we got him as a guest this week. How how very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Serendipitous. So, yeah, Stefano Bonomo, way to go. I, um, and I did not do that because he's going to be on the show. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, you, he absolutely earned it um, since coming back. And, you know, we had talked a little bit about is he going to be able to, to fill in as that, that striker, that lone striker. And so far, he's passing the tests. And he did it against a team that, I mean, I know that you, you say they took a step back. Uh, from last year, and that's true for Rochester, but they're still a good defensive side, yeah. uh, and Bonomo made them really work for it, and and they came out on the the losing side. So, yeah, you got to remember they started from damn near perfection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, and like aside from what they only lost one game that entire year in twenty was it twenty fifteen? Yeah. So, yeah, like this. It, it, it's been a if you end up losing a bunch more games two years later, you know, that's that that's kind of what you're working from, which is why this feels like so much more of a big deal. Yeah, no, no. Fully agree with that. Um, OK, uh, I think that we can take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk to Stefano Bonomo. So stick around. We are back. We are joined now by our first ever second time guest. <laughs> it is Stefano Bonomo. Stefano, how are you doing? Hi, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show tonight. Absolutely. It's great to have you. It's great to see you back out on the field. Um, obviously, you had a pretty long layoff. Uh, up until recently, the last bit of, of action that uh, you know the fan community was able to see was a pretty terrific run out uh, in the usl cup uh and then obviously you were off for, for quite some time what was that like for you how how difficult was it you know kind of having to watch from the sidelines and uh slowly progress uh to to being back on the field yeah for sure it was uh definitely probably one of the toughest moments in my career um i had to deal with two separate surgeries uh the first being in November and thinking I would come back six weeks after that and realizing a couple months later down the road that I needed another surgery was definitely a a tough pill to swallow. And knowing that I had another three months after the second surgery to recover was, uh, was, yeah, was definitely a tough moment in my career. But I mean, I'm past that point now, and I'm playing. So, uh, yeah, I've kind of moved on from all that frustration, and I'm I'm happy to be back on the field with the guys. Uh, was there a sense of um, maybe tentativeness or extreme anxiousness when you first um, stepped back onto the field? What was that like after you know all of that surgeries? Was there any sense of doubt that you had in your head about your performances? Um, no, there was not really a sense of doubt. I think it was more excitement more than anything um i prepared really well with the, with the coaching staff the training the medical staff and uh the strength coach um to get me to 
the point where I was able to step on the field against Toronto a couple weeks ago. So I think when my name when my name and number were called by coach um, late in the game, I think it was more excitement uh, than anything um, at that at that moment, and it felt really good to be back out there playing playing a game, um, helping the team out in the win. I mean, yeah, it was just all it just all felt it was just a, a lot of mixed emotions going on at that moment, and it felt really good. And you, I. I... You know, uh, speaking for myself, I think you really came out flying, uh, not just in that match, but over the last couple of games. Is there any added, you know, maybe pressure or um, a motivation being that you're coming into the team in a very different situation uh, than where they were last year? Uh, obviously, they've lost Brandon. Um, Douglas has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, so really, you are the man right now for the team. Uh, so is that something that's maybe motivating you or, or, or maybe adding a tiny bit of pressure? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely, it's good to always have that little bit of pressure because it makes you want to perform at your, at your best. But also, I also have the confidence knowing that uh, I, I did well the past game and I've scored in the past two games to keep that momentum going forward and hopefully helping the team out in any way I can. So there's been um, a lot of change. I mean, you've been with this team since 2015. You're one of um, the originals almost. Um, the With Brandon Allen going and now you stepping into that pseudo-lead striker position, what, what's what been the discussion internally with the team? Um, is, has it been kind of, like, kind of like, hey, you're the guy now? Um, what's that been like? No, not at all. I think everyone plays an equal role on this team. And... Uh... Yeah, whatever position you play, you step in and try to do your job to the best of your ability. And for myself as a striker, my job is to hold the ball up for the team, start to press when we're defending, and to ultimately score goals. Yeah. The team is obviously made up of a lot of young players. Um, currently, the, the, you guys are in, in playoff position. Up There's a very difficult stretch uh, ahead of you. Is that something that maybe uh, the older players on the the team have been, you know, uh, confronting at all with with some of the younger players uh, in terms of maybe settling them down or just kind of maybe hit the reset button and and you know take this final stretch as, as almost you know a cup final every game. Yeah, I think uh, the experience of the guys who were on the team last year, the past two seasons definitely help out the, the newer guys and also the younger academy players. Um, they give them all the confidence in the world if they step on the field and uh, they, like everyone has each other's back. So whether we're playing the last place team or the first place team, I think we, we have to go in with the same mentality that we're out there for three points and we have to push for, push for a, a playoff spot at this point in the season. So um, at this point, you played at Red Bull Arena. You played at the uh, training facility, and now MSU Soccer Park. Um, what are your thoughts on those three venues? Which one is your preference? I mean, nothing beats Red Bull Arena. It's probably one of the best stadiums uh, in America right now. The field is uh, second to none, and I mean the the atmosphere. Uh, I just remember the USL Cup final. Only like the lower bowl was filled, but 
the acoustics were were incredible, and yeah, playing in an environment like that is amazing. Um, obviously, switching over to MSU Soccer Park this season is is different. Playing on artificial turf, I don't think any uh, soccer player prefers artificial turf to grass. But I mean, the atmosphere is uh, intimate. It's close to the field. Uh, local fans and families come, so you get a different uh, a different vibe, definitely. But I mean, I I, I don't mind either, honestly. Getting back to this past weekend a little bit, uh, you've been on the team for a long time now. You're well aware of the rivalry that has uh, grown and existed between this team and Rochester. Uh, what was that mood like in the locker room afterwards, uh, finally getting a win uh, that, uh, against this team that has just uh, continually yeah. dogged you? I mean, like immediately after the game, uh, I went up to Rafi, and I, Rafi Diaz, who is also like an original player from the 2015 team and we both just gave each other a hug and we're just so happy that we finally beat uh, Rochester which we had never been before it was just a huge uh, huge sigh of relief but I mean it's just like a, it's another game um, in the season so you can't you can't treat it like any any other game and you should like, move forward after the after that and get ready for Charleston coming up this weekend so now you've uh, you know scored a few goals in the season. You're feeling really good um, coming back from the injury. What are your personal goals for the rest of uh, of the 2017 season? Um, I think I, yeah, I mentioned it before. I just want to help out the team as much as possible, whether it's getting assists or scoring goals. Um, obviously, helping tactically, defensively, um, helping as a leader, being a guy who's been here for uh, three seasons now. I think um, experience definitely pays off, and it shows. Um, so guys who have been here last season, who have been here for three seasons, can definitely help. Um, can definitely help in any way. Now you mentioned it a moment ago. You guys have Charleston coming up. Uh, they had been, you know, rocking and rolling for a long time this season, and have stumbled almost starting with. Uh, the first loss uh, to <laughs> to the Red Bulls a couple of uh, I guess it was uh, you know a couple months ago now uh, is is there any you know difference in approaching a game against a struggling team or is it almost more dangerous uh, because they're a little bit more desperate now that they're starting to to fall down the standings a little bit other teams are, are breathing down their necks. Um, yeah, I mean it's good in the sense that they're struggling i mean if you look at the past five games i don't think they have they've won any of them they've uh, i think they've drawn twice and lost three times so definitely having the confidence going in but also knowing that we're we're uh we're in a position that's very similar where we have to get three points as well and i think it it makes for a really good uh dog fight going in on saturday night So, um, Stefano, in, in, in regards to going back to the Rochester rivalry a little bit, you spoke about how you and Rafa had that moment. Was there um, any, obviously there's some satisfaction last year, but was there any other um, kind of special satisfaction you had after toppling this rivalry um, in uh, the regular season? Um, talking about this season? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've only played three games, but the uh, the game against Louisville when I scored my first goal after coming back from injury was definitely a huge moment. It felt really good. Um, so yeah, as an individual, like, uh, milestone, I think that was, that was huge. And then obviously, like you said, the win against Rochester, that that was uh, that was incredible as well. Okay, before we let you go, uh, we have a new segment on the show that we do now with everybody, uh, where we ask you know a couple of rapid fire questions uh, just to end. It'll generally be yes or no or just one choice or the other. Um, we, we keep it light. <laughs> uh, are you uh, ready? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Number one, popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario. Arsene Wenger, in or out? Out. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Uh, Juventus. FIFA or Pro Evolution? FIFA, 100%. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much, Stefano, for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you back on. We are so glad to see you back out on the field, and uh, good luck this coming weekend. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. And when we get back, we're going to preview that game against Charleston Battery. Stick around. back for our final segment we're going to be previewing this weekend's game against charleston battery now the red bulls have actually beaten the battery in recent history they won two to one back on uh i'm not gonna remember that date sometime in june right i think that's about right (laughs) sure oh my goodness it was may 28th so even further ago Uh, that's close you said june may 28th is pretty much june that was right at the same time they lost romario williams to the gold cup uh, and since that time, Charleston has struggled mightily. They were way, way up in the East and leading the pack. Uh, they are now dropping down to second place after Charlotte won this past weekend. And worse yet, they have two games. Uh, Charlotte has two games in hand on Charleston. So that it, it very mi- likely seems that their time at the top of the table is over. They are now also tied with Tampa Bay Rowdies on 37 points. They have not won in their last five games. They are 0-3-2 over that stretch, negative four goal differential, and they have only scored two goals total. So the free scoring days of Charleston Battery seem to be completely over. In that stretch of the last five games, they've lost to St. Louis, Tampa Bay, and Gasp Toronto FC 2. What in the ever-loving hell? Toronto FC2 beat them. What is... They are ice cold. That's that's what's (laughs) happening right now. That's exactly right. In the middle of August in Charleston, which is... If you've ever been to Charleston, it's incredibly hot. Um, They are ice cold. It is just nothing is going their way right now. They are cooler than cool. That is for sure. Um, their draws over that stretch were against Pittsburgh and Orlando, and those two goals were were scored in that Pittsburgh game. So over those five, those 
five matches. They've only scored twice, and they were both in the same game. Uh, their total of 39 goals scored this season is fourth best in USL. So that should really tell you uh, how bad this stretch has been. They had been leading the league and have completely cooled off. Uh, Williams has not returned to any kind of form just yet after returning to the team. And it seems like that break disrupted something within the squad, and they're just having the worst time uh, finding the back of the net and and just putting together a, a decent defensive performance. So those 39 goals, fourth best in the USL. Uh, most surprising thing for me this weekend, uh, finding out that New York is tied for seventh best in the league for goals scored. That's right. Isn't that crazy? That's <laughs> insane. This like... very difficult season that they've been having, they are tied for seventh best in goals. Uh, I'm not going to complain anymore about their offense after after that statistic. I was uh, just as shocked as you were <laughs> to find that out. Obviously, the big problem right now for them uh, had been the goals conceded. They seem to have fixed that a little bit. Uh, Obviously, they gave up a number of goals over just a couple of games, uh, namely between Charlotte and uh, Ottawa. Uh, Those two games, they gave up nine goals. So they would be a little bit better off had that not happened. Uh, But the real issue for them uh, is their conversion rate. They are... 22nd in the league in terms of converting their chances which is what has really hurt them this season you know we talked about it a lot at the beginning of the year that they just seem like snake bit in front of goal uh and yeah without any gray area (laughs) you can totally see that 13 percent of their chances have been turned into goals that's that's not great uh charlotte who leads the league has uh converted 22 percent so all, all of that on the table, Anthony. Charleston Battery have been just atrocious over this, this stretch. But this team has gone up against <laughs> struggling teams before and seem to have been the, the solve uh, to their, their issues. Are we going to see that against Charleston? Is Charleston going to find uh, their footing again and maybe get a big result at home? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm, I'm saying that in kind of like a please don't prove me wrong kind of way. So um, uh, I don't think they should. I, I think that Red Bull 2 has really figured this out in a lot of ways. Um, hopefully, as, as, as I say that, I feel like I'm almost asking for this not to go well. But yeah. I think Red Bull 2 can get a point here. I'm not saying they're going to get a win, but I think that they've got enough. Um, go- okay, here's here's the caveat. <laughs> okay. If we get if, if if they don't strip the team bare for the game against Orlando City, um, if Nadam is on the bench, then no, I don't. I actually don't think they're going to win this game. But if Nadam and Scarlett are down in um, in in Charlotte in Char- Charlotte Charleston, then. I, I think they're going to get a point out of this game. It really depends on whether or not they're going to strip this team for the game. It, you don't see it as a possibility that they might uh, clip them for all three points? I'm trying not to jinx it. I hope they will, but I still think that there's issues on offense, um, specifically getting Junior Flemings going. I know he's like second best on the team in goals, but like I, I still think that he's not getting enough dangerous opportunities to, to really – have that many options and 
Charleston's going to know that they should shut down Bonomo in this game. So they're going to have to figure out a way to be a little more dynamic. Yeah, fair enough. I will say that over this stretch where Charleston has really struggled, the majority of those struggles have been on the road. At home, uh, they've been able to, let's see, they've got their last three home games. They are 1-0-2. Uh, so they're not dropping those points at home. It has mostly been on the road where they struggled. Uh all that said, I still think that this is a very, very good opportunity for the Red Bulls. Um, they have, even though they didn't get results against uh, Charlotte or Louisville in their last two matches, uh, they seem to kind of rise to the occasion of the teams that they're playing against. Uh, John Wolnick uh, commented as, as much this past weekend. And I think that this is another one of those opportunities that if they can get on the board early, they, they have a very good chance of, of walking away with the result there. I agree. I think they've got to be a bit of a bully in that sense. Um, Red Bull one tends to be the the kind of team, uh, the MLS side that uh, doesn't respond well when they go down early. And we've seen Red Bull two kind of mirror that. So scoring first is going to be very important for them, especially on the road. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agree. And uh, of course, senior Red Bulls play that same night, right? You were just talking about that with Hassan Nadam. It seems to me that, that Metzger is no longer going to be, uh, a big part of this uh, Red Bull 2 team, that he's somewhat permanently affixed to the uh, the one side's bench, uh, which means that we're going to see a lot more of Andrew Tenari. Um, should Bezicourt uh, be back this week, obviously he would slot into that um, attacking midfielder position with Bazulovic dropping back. But uh, if not, and Bazulovic is indeed uh, helping lead the, the midfield line, uh, who would be a good partner for Tanari? Uh, Kaz um, Shigenobu came in last week. I think he did okay. He did show a little bit of his uh, inexperience at times. Um, maybe wasn't super crisp uh, throughout the match, but I think overall had a pretty strong showing against a, a tough team. Um, but they don't have a ton of other options. You could maybe bring in uh, David Najem. Yeah, and, that, and that's the first thought the I was thinking was Najem. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I'm not really sure who on the bench would be a good partner back there. From you know, I hesitate to to talk about Abador. Maybe, <laughs> this is insane, uh, uh, Joe talking, but maybe Schmoll could be a possibility in that role. Oh God! <laughs> no, <laughs> so, good God, no! Right? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue that. But not in that position. Not trying to say Schmoll's a bad player, just not in that position. Right, right. I don't think he has the wheels or anything, but it might be just like a kind of like a catch all if teams are trying to, you know, clear the ball, that he could be someone that could um make it a little bit difficult to to get past that first line. But uh, anyway, uh, all that said, let's let's get a prediction for what that for what we're gonna see this weekend. I'm saying a one one draw. I think that's very fair. Given given the way that Charleston has played this recently, uh, I've got a lot of confidence in the Red Bulls right now. I'm going to call this a two-one road victory. And look at you being so positive. <laughs> this is going to be a very very important stretch. Uh, they're three points behind Bethlehem Steel uh, for seventh place. Obviously, Beth Steel has games in hand. They are playing Toronto this weekend, but they have a very difficult stretch over the next couple of games. 
uh, Beth Steele, that is, of course. Uh, they're playing Charlotte, Louisville, uh, and then Pittsburgh. And yes, I know Pittsburgh is not you know some kind of powerhouse team, but at home they've been pretty good, and they keep teams from, from getting wins for the most part. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, elsewhere, Orlando City, who is only two points behind the Red Bulls right now, they are traveling to Richmond, and then they've got Ottawa and Charlotte uh, over the next couple of weeks. Orlando City seems to be a draw machine. They've got five draws in their last five matches. Uh, and they're, last... they're like 2011 New York Red Bulls. Yeah, their last win was on uh, June 23rd, it looks like. Is that right? Yeah, against Rochester Rhinos, one nothing. So they they are, yeah, they're they're keeping pace. They're not falling down, but uh, not not by a whole lot. The teams that we talked about before that have games in hand on the Red Bulls that are below them, uh, Ottawa Fury, uh, they've got Charlotte, Orlando as we mentioned, and Tampa Bay coming up. So not not a great road for them, and a compressed schedule at that. They're playing uh, three games over uh, seven days. Uh, and St. Louis, who hasn't really been doing much, they continue to, to fall further and further down. Uh, they've got Tulsa, which is sort of weird that that's happening Thursday. Uh, Rough then, next. <laughs> then St. Louis uh, is playing uh, the Rowdies on Sunday and uh, Pittsburgh the following weekend. So again, you know, not not an easy road for them. I think the Roughnecks have been... Uh, good enough, but we haven't seen a, a ton of uh, East meets West this year. And, you know, last year, especially heading into the final, I was uh, really unsure of what we were going to see because, you know, we didn't really have any kind of um, litmus test for it. And the Red Bulls rolled over them. I'm not sure if the West and the East are so uh, uh, different this year as they were last year, but. I guess we'll have to see. Uh, last bit of business. Um, I'll let you lead this a little bit because I did not know it was even happening until <laughs> you told me about uh, it a while ago. Because Joe, 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 Joe. I was putting children to bed and away from the computer. But there is a new franchise coming in Birmingham. This is a week removed right from the Fresno news. Uh, the expansion continues for USL. Yeah. So we're going to have um, a team in the Magic City. We're going to have uh, Birmingham, Alabama is going to have a team. So they announced um, the owners. Um, they had a big ceremony with the mayor, William Bell. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have a team. I don't think they announced a name. I'm trying to find it here. No, I don't see um, that. No, nothing there. So, yeah, they're, they're, they've announced a team. They're going to debut in 2019. So not this season, but the, the season after. And this is a big market. This is um, – a big college football market, regular football, not uh, not European football, but uh, it's a big sports market in general. So, you know, they, they have the Birmingham Barons, which is a minor league baseball team there. Um, that's very successful. It's a it's a it's definitely a USL town. So it, it'll be exciting to see that happen. And of course, they're not they're not going to be joining the league until 2019. Uh, they'll be playing in the PDL next season, um, so they'll have a little bit of time to to build things up. Uh, is this? I'm not. I'm not positive that it isn't, uh, but I think, to my knowledge, this is the first professional team in Alabama. 
Is that correct? Um, without thinking about the 70s and 80s um, NASL, I believe so. All right, let's let's do this. While while we're definitely in the that. modern era, definitely in the modern <laughs> era, which is like MLS, you know, and pseudo modern day USL, um, USL Pro. I would say yes that this is the uh, the first team in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. So that's really exciting. I'm, I'm definitely going to be interested in seeing how that kind of plays out down there. Uh, Wouldn't I, it be great if their name was the Tide? That would be fantastic. The Birmingham Tide. Uh, get on it. Start start uh, snapping up the um, <laughs> the domains, Anthony. You can make a fortune, or uh, not, not really gonna... a fortune, but you know. <laughs> they, they, the USL, the 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 the, the sense uh, um, associated with each post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this league. It's my favorite league in the United States, but it really, um, depending on the market, it's uh, it can be feast or famine. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, looking at it from the '70s and going through these teams very, very quickly, none caught my eye that have been in Alabama. So I believe this is the first team down there. So way to go, Alabama. That's definitely not a market I would have thought that they'd be exploring, but uh, I wish them all the best and and hopefully. Uh, you start to grow that sport in the South a little bit more. I know that there is a pretty good and, base in the there. beginning, and it's the beginning of what we will see um, as the, the the bottom of the spine of a potential Central Division. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I thought that that was maybe something that was going to be happening more near term. It, obviously, they're not doing that next season, so it'll be interesting to see when they do finally set all that up. Um, okay, I think that brings us to the end of the show. There's a you know a rambly, fun little show that we <laughs> had this evening. Uh, obviously, it's always good to talk about a win. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I am at Attitude AJM. And Bill, who is not here, you can follow him at Bill TNJ. And if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising cast and of course as i said that is all on twitter i i was given some uh flack this week uh by a a listener for not listing out our email address in a more prominent way so i'm going to be adding that to the twitter profile uh but i will say it uh three times now we if you want to send us questions you can send them to questions at raisingbulls.com that's questions at raisingbulls.com and you can send us uh, obviously questions like the name implies, but you could send us hate mail. I will read it if it is funny. Um, you can just send your admiration if you have any, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, please feel free to reach out. We would love to have some, some more interaction, uh, attending the games in Montclair, Anthony, I gotta say, uh, we've been getting some, some really nice attention. Uh, people have been, uh, praising the show. So it is nice to, to get a little feedback, especially directly from the listeners, and it would be even better if you start sending questions in to questions at raisingbulls.com. And, of course, uh, by saying that, uh, I also mentioned our website that you can visit, raisingbulls.com. You can see us on Facebook at facebook.com slash raisingbulls. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. Please find us, find the show, subscribe, rate, review. It really does make a difference, and we really do appreciate it. Uh, for myself and Anthony Merced, and of course, Stefano Bonomo, the uh, first repeat offender in uh, Raising Bulls history, thank you very much and have a good night.
Those claps are far too inconsistent. Word Radio, where you, you get the last word.